today on Laura Lynn and Friends. The intensive research into the military and commercial value of compelling herd behavior with music to induce stress, promote diseases, and suppress spirituality has enabled the world's wealthiest people to exercise cultural control through programming. We've got lots to tell you, lots is going on in the world. Uh, but we have an incredible guest, and we want to get to her right away so that we have maximum opportunity to hear from her. We had her on uh, a few months ago, and it was so spectacular. It was a huge show. People loved her. And, you know, if you've ever heard about the Nephilim, uh, you know, and, and you've got questions about this sort of strange part of our history recorded in the Bible where the sons of, of God mated with the daughters of man and all kinds of strange stuff happened. Well, there's a, an incredible woman who did a deep, in-depth dive into all of that. And she's going to be talking to us about the ramifications to our world today. And so Dr. Laura Sanger, she's a clinical psychologist, author of The Roots of the Federal Reserve and Small for Small Business Owners. Uh, it's not really for small business owners, is it? Who wrote this? I, I don't know. Uh, so she, I mean, it, it, it's talking about, look at that, tracing the Nephilim from Noah to the U.S. dollar. So I'm, I'm certain that small business owners can use it as well as uh, very big business owners. I mean, we have to root out the Nephilim. That's what I'm thinking. I don't know. Her current focus is awakening people to the spiritual battle at hand and the psychological warfare of the globalist agenda. Dr. Sanger has been involved in spiritual mapping for the past 25 years. She has participated in prayer initiatives on citywide, statewide, national, and international levels. She is passionate about seeing individuals, people groups, regions, and nations set free from systems of enslavement. And, and all of this is tied to, to money, to the Federal Reserve. Um, so this led her to write The Roots of the Federal Reserve, tracing the Nephilim from Noah to the U.S., Dollar, an investigative journey through time using spiritual mapping concepts to uncover the deep layers of defilement within our monetary system. So, Dr. Laura, thank you very much uh, for waiting uh, for us in the wings as we worked out some, some uh, glitches in our system of trying to start the brand new opening. It's good to see you. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you for having me back. It's great to be with you. It's, it's really an honor to have you back. Um, last time, we did sort of an overview of the, the dawn of time and some of the issues that were faced when some of these, uh, you know, these critical moments, uh, what you talk about is very biblical, but it's kind of like doo-doo-doo-doo, you know, uh, a little bit like, uh, you know, uh, scary. I mean, you, you think that maybe you're watching an episode. What is it that you like, JT, those uh, shows? Um, you know, the black and white ones, and it's an alternate world. Twilight Zone. Yeah, the Twilight Zone. It's a little bit like the Twilight Zone when I feel like <laughs> that we're talking about, you know. And, uh, right. But, but it's really real, and you've done a lot of investigation. So maybe you could just, you know, give us an overview of yourself. There's a little bit here about why you started writing this, but for those that didn't see the last episode, um, mm -hmm. you know, lead us up to what, caused you to write this kind of book and incorporate the truth of what the Bible has to say about, oh my gosh, the Nephilim. 
Right. <laughs> well, um, you know, I'm a psychologist by trait, which is what you mentioned in the beginning. And I really had no idea that um, I was going to write a book on the Federal Reserve because I am not an expert in monetary policy. But really how it began for me is in 2014, um, I felt a nudge from the Lord to write a spiritual mapping prayer brief on the Federal Reserve. And so I did. And, um, you know, in that prayer brief, we had targeted prayer strategies to equip intercessors to be able to strike at the root of the issue, the defilement that's in our monetary system. And so I gathered intercessors and we prayed through it. And I really thought my assignment was done and, you know, time to move on to the next intercessory assignment. But the Lord just um, wouldn't let me leave that alone. And over the next year and a half, um, I really just felt the Lord nudging me to pick it back up. And so in 2016, I did, and I began researching and writing. And I spent four years uh, writing this book. And I wrote it in what I call real time, which means I had no idea the twists and turns that this investigative journey would take. I had paradigm shifts along the way in doing the research and in writing it. And my constant prayer was Jeremiah 33, 3, which says, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. And that definitely happened. So, um, you know, in my book, what I do is I trace this Nephilim agenda, as you mentioned, from the days of Noah to the U.S. dollar. And I really uncover how this Nephilim agenda has defiled not only our monetary system, but practically every institution in our lands. And today I thought it would be interesting um, to just help your, uh, your viewers become aware of the role of music and sound technology in the Nephilim agenda, like how they're using that as part of the seed war. That would be amazing. Um, you know, just a few days ago, we showed a video of Taylor Swift and her just allegiance to a lot of uh, Satanism mm -hmm. and, and a lot of sim symbols that are satanic in the work she does. And I was pretty shocked. And, you know, I have friends that kind of get excited. They want to go with their daughter and make it a mother-daughter thing. And I, you know, we kind of highlighted, uh, we played a video of someone who had really expose that. Um, I, I would love that. Let's look at that. Um, I just, um, normally I start the show by reading from my dad's incredible Bible and he marked it from stem to stern. And uh, in Revelations, one of the things it says uh, here that he's underlined, um, he, he died about two years ago, um, but he, he underlined, well, so many things on this page. But in Revelations 19, verse 7, he said, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife has made herself ready. And who is his wife? It's actually us here on earth. That This is a great love affair that is going on between good and evil that's happening as we speak. And even as we're seeing wars and rumors of wars and we're preparing for end of days and, and however long that takes, um, some feel it's closer, some feel that we still have quite a few phases to go through. But as we do life, we know one thing, that we've got an enemy. And wasn't mm -hmm. Satan, Lucifer, he, in Isaiah, it describes him as an angel with, um, if I have interpreted the scripture correctly, that he literally has, um, has instruments within his body. And he was mm -hmm. in charge of music. Is that true? Yes. In fact, I think it's really important to understand the origin of music and how 
Um, like I said, it, it has affected people all throughout human history. And so if we look at really the first human musician recorded in scripture, um, his name is Jubal, and he was the eighth in uh, generation from Adam, and he was in the bloodline of Cain. His father is Lamech, and Lamech was the first polygamist uh, recorded in history. And Lamech really continued in that murderous spirit that Cain operated in. And I want to read Genesis 4. This is 23 through 24. It says, Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, listen to me, wives of Lamech, hear my words. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for injuring me. If Cain is avenged seven times, then Lamech 77 times. So here you have Lamech perpetuating the generational iniquity that uh, you know Cain carried out. And Lamech was walking in pride, rebellion, and murder. And there really is no indication from scripture that his bloodline was cleansed. So that means that um, Jubal would have been walking in that same generational iniquity. We see in Genesis 4.21, it says his brother's name was Jubal. He was father of all who play the harp and flute. Now, Jubal's name means stream, and it comes from a Hebrew root word, yabal. And that means to conduct, to bring forth with pomp and to lead. And this root word is actually used, um, it's the same word where we get the Hebrew word for trumpet. And so Jubal was known to be the essentially the inventor of musical instruments. So here you have from a defiled bloodline, music enters into human history. Now, thankfully, um, you know, that's not the origin of music because we know that music existed in heaven. And certainly, as you were mentioning, you know, Lucifer's very design incorporated music. And so I want to read from Ezekiel 28. It says, you were the seal. And this is speaking of Lucifer. You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, the sardis, topaz, and diamond, beryl, onks, and jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and emerald with gold. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. You were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I laid you before kings that they might gaze at you. Now, the Hebrew word in that passage, there's a word um, workmanship. And if we look at the Hebrew meaning of that word, um, the word itself is malakha, and it means ministry, occupation, officer, and manner of work. So in other words, Lucifer was created with timbrels, with tambourines in his very being so that he could carry out his role as music minister or worship leader in heaven. And his official role, you know, used music as the guardian cherub. Well, he defiled himself, as we know, you know, when iniquity was found in him, he was filled with pride and he became enamored with his own beauty. Well, thankfully, Lucifer is also not the origin of music. We know that music originated with Elohim, you know, the creator of all things. 
music is in Yahweh's being. And we see this in Zephaniah 317. It says, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. And so the Lord sings over us, which is so beautiful uh, to think about. But not only that, he taught his angels how to sing and to use music so that it could be incorporated in part of the creative work in establishing earth. And we see this in Job 38, four through seven. It says, where were you when I laid the earth's foundations? Tell me if you understand who marked off its dimensions. Surely, you know, who stretched a measuring line across it on what were its footings set or who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. Well, the morning stars sang together, that implies that there was some orchestration, you know, some ensemble of music in the heavenly realms. And so we see that music was incorporated in the birthing of creation. Well, this is music's original intent to bring forth life, to birth creation, to, um, you know, bring forth to create things, to bring forth life. And unfortunately, we see that Lucifer introduced defilement within music. And it's been really a battleground in the seed war ever since. And so, you know, one of the things that is important is to understand, like I, I expressed, how music can influence us. And it's part of this Nephilim agenda. Well, um, well, I, I mean, I think that's one of the reasons that we have to be so aware of what our kids are listening to, because this is such mm -hmm. a key tool that Lucifer mm -hmm. would use. You know, um, I have laughed like something as simple as this, that, you know, w when you're young and, and you're, you know, out with a group of people, if a nice song comes on, you can actually think that, a, you know, a serial killer is really handsome and, and maybe you'd like to date him because music can move your soul to actually like it gives you those feelings of falling in love. It can, um, it can move your, you know, your senses. And so the enemy uses this and leads to even acts of violence. Like music can stir you to anger. It can stir, it can stir fear inside of you. It can stir feelings of sexuality inside of you. And so it's no wonder that the enemy has actually captured uh, this in our in our world. Absolutely. And, you know, like I say, it's part of that Nephilim agenda. And, um, you know, for your viewers, maybe what I'll do is I'll just quick summarize what this Nephilim agenda is, because then we'll see how music um, really has unfolded as part of this battle strategy. Um, so with the Nephilim agenda, essentially it was unleashed during the days of Noah, and it's the plan to defile the human genome through the propagation of a hybrid race, the purpose of which is to overthrow God's kingdom. Now, the origins of the Nephilim agenda are found in the seed war that I've been referring to, and I'll read verse 14 through 15. It says, so the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. So what we have is, after the fall, what Yahweh did is he declared war between the seed of Eve, which is humanity, and the seed of Satan. 
one day Eve's seed would crush Satan. And we know this to be the prophetic declaration of the coming Messiah. So Satan's strategy then was to contaminate the seed of the woman by altering the genetic code of humans. This is where the fallen sons of God really become integral in Satan's strategy. And we read about this not only in Genesis 6, but also in the extra biblical text of the book of Enoch. So the fallen sons of God, they chose to leave their heavenly abode. They invaded the earth realm by descending on Mount Hermon. And I'll read Genesis 6, 2 through 4. It says, the sons of God saw that the daughters of mankind were beautiful, and they took any they chose as wives for themselves. The Nephilim were on the earth both in those days and afterward, when the sons of God came to the daughters of mankind who bore children to them. They were the powerful men of old, the famous men. So here we have, you know, these fallen sons of God. They capture these beautiful women. They sexually violate them by raping them. They force them into marriage and then defile their human genome by impregnating them with the hybrid race of giants known as the Nephilim. What's important also to understand is at the core of this Nephilim agenda is the goal to strip us of our humanity because they hate the fact that we are created in the image of God. So they wanna defile our human genome. And this Nephilim agenda and the globalist agenda are really after the same end goal, and that is the total domination of humanity. And so what they've been doing is part of their strategy is to use sound and music um, to control humanity. And really, over the past century, music has been used and sound frequencies to create mass hysteria and herd behavior. So I wanna um, go into a little bit of history um, for a moment, uh, more recent history at least. So since the 1930s, uh, the Rothschild-Rockefeller Alliance, they began funding scientific studies that were examining how musical frequencies could be used to prepare the masses for war. Just like you were mentioning earlier, how it stirs up these emotions, even violence. Well, in 1938, there was this theatrical designer and sound engineer. His name was Harold Burris Meyer. And what he began to do is develop sound technologies that would be able to control the emotional response and create mass hysteria within audiences. Now, there's um, some great research uh, that has been done and um Dr. Leonard Horowitz is one of those, and he wrote a book called uh, The Book of 528. And I'll just read one of uh, the things that he mentioned. He says, the Rockefeller Foundation archives showed their research is focused on psychotronic warfare, physiological stress induction, negative affective emotional arousal, mass persuasion, herd behavior, and population control. People's bodies would bioenergetically entrain to the musical frequencies and electronically engineered sound effects that would be most emotionally charged, causing people to act in certain programmable ways. So it's no coincidence that, you know, as the Rothschild Rockefeller Alliance was figuring out ways to use sound frequencies to steer the masses that the international standard tuning of A was changed to 440 hertz. So in 1939, again, this Rothschild Rockefeller Black Ops, they funded Joseph Goebbels, the Nazi propagandist. And at that time, Rockefeller, he was aligned with IG Fairbin, which is the German chemical and pharmaceutical giant. 
Well, together, they funded the military buildup of Hitler. Now, at the same time, Joseph Goebbels of Radio Berlin, he was trying to organize a conference that would change the international standard tuning of A. And up until that time, you know, the standard tuning of A was set at 435 hertz. And that was as a result of a conference in Vienna in 1889. But Goebbels, he wanted to change the standard tuning of A to 440. So what he did is Radio Berlin reached out to the British Standard Association and asked them to organize a conference to change the standard tuning of A. Now, this meeting, you know, it was a setup um, so that the powers that be could control the outcome. Now, the first thing that they did is they did not invite the French musicians. The French musicians were largely opposed to uh, switching to 440 hertz. And then the organizers um, of the conference, they interviewed ahead of time the physicists, the um, instrument makers, the musicians, and the sound engineers about whether or not they supported switching to 440 hertz. Those that did not were invited to the conference. So it's no wonder that as a result of this conference, the standard tuning of A was switched to 440 hertz. And that happened June of 1939 just months before World War II broke out. And the timing, as you can imagine, is no coincidence. So here you have, you know, 440 hertz is a destructive frequency. And what it does is it entrains our thoughts towards disharmony, disruption, and disunity. And it actually stimulates our brain into disharmonious resonance, which ultimately can lead to disease and war. And I want to give you some examples because there's um, fascinating research. And this is uh, more recent research. In 2021, in the Journal of Ecological Engineering, what researchers did is they looked at sublethal and lethal high-frequency sound exposure with water fleas. And so they compared the effect of 432 hertz and 440 hertz, looking at fertility, and heart rate. And what they found is that the water fleas exposed to 440 hertz became infertile and they had a dramatic decrease in their heart rate. Now, even more alarming was within weeks of the study, all the water fleas that were exposed to 440 hertz died. Then another study, this one, um, you know, was looking at the impact in humans. And this was also in 2021. This is from the International Journal of Human Sciences. And what they did is they played music tuned to 432 hertz and then 440 hertz. And they had um, people listen to those or that music, and then they would report their mood on a questionnaire. And what they found is that people had um, a higher incidence of negative mood after listening to 440 hertz. And this finding was particularly pronounced in men. So now if we take a step back and we think about, again, this Nephilim agenda, and really the goal is um, to strip us of our humanity, to control our mind, and um, really the total domination of humanity. Now, part of that is a depopulation agenda. And so if you're going to depopulate the masses, what better way than to render them infertile? and to stir up anger in the men, especially to lead to war. 
And so these um, studies really demonstrate, you know, the destructive nature of 440 hertz. Now, Dr. Leonard Horowitz, I think he has an interesting conclusion. He writes, he says, the intensive research into the military and commercial value of compelling herd behavior with music to induce stress, promote diseases, and suppress spirituality has enabled the world's wealthiest people to exercise cultural control control through programming. So not only have we been programmed by these harmful frequencies, but you know, the musical frequencies that actually benefit us, you know, that benefit our body, soul, and spirit, those have been suppressed. But thankfully, you know, more and more people are awakening to the beauty of tuning A to 444 hertz. And Dr. Leonard Horowitz, again, he he talks about when you tune A to 444 hertz, not only is it acoustically more pleasing, it actually stimulates us kinesthetically and it revitalizes us spiritually. Scientists even use it, you know, to repair DNA. And, you know, there's, I think, a growing understanding of revelation that's being poured out um, that it's possible David, King David, may have tuned his harp to 444 hertz. And that's what allowed when he would play, you know, the, the spirit that was tormenting Saul to leave. And what's beautiful about when you tune your instruments to 444, four of the solfeggio tones come forth when you play. And G is 396, G sharp is 417, then middle C is 528, and E flat is 639. So what's important about this? You know, with the solfeggio um, tones, there are healing properties particularly 528 hertz. It's known as the miracle tone. And scientists will use this tone actually to repair DNA. So when Yahweh spoke creation into existence, 528 hertz was key to sustaining life. The sun vibrates at 528 hertz. And so chlorophyll, you know, that optimal energy transducer, It takes the sun's frequency and it transposes that into oxygen that our cells absorb. And that oxygen vibrates at 528 hertz. And so you can see it's this life-giving frequency. But the enemy does not want us to understand that. And it's, you know, that information really has been suppressed because we have to remember that music and sound are being used to mutate our DNA. And that goes right along with the Nephilim agenda, you know, that goal to um, defile our human genome. And we really have to be aware of the advancements in biotechnology because this is where they're using these sound frequencies. This is shocking. I mean, I have never heard anything like this. And like, how would we know unless special testing was done with instruments that can tell all of this, unless there was, you know, good scientists or, and, and it looks like the Rockefellers uh, looking into this discovered something that would use this information for evil. And so mm-hmm. we need to know. So I, I'm not certain how we protect ourselves then. Well, I'll share that in just a minute. Um, One of the things that I want to unpack for us is, you know, some of these um, advancements, like I mentioned, in biotechnology. So, you know, so many people, 
we we know Wi-Fi. We use Wi-Fi. I remember when I was in graduate school, I think it was my last year, I was working on my dissertation. And I remember seeing a commercial for the first time, and it was um, AOL talking about surfing the web. Well, at the time, I lived in California, so I'm trying to think, figure out what what in the world does it mean to surf the web? What is that? But now, you know, it is so familiar to us. We know what Wi-Fi is, but not many people know what Bi-Fi is. And Bi-Fi is the biological internet. And it uses DNA to transmit messages into cells. So let me give you some examples of this. Um, Back in 2012, scientists from the Stanford Research Institute, they discovered how to encode a virus with information and then transmit that into infected cells. So when a virus gets into a cell, it then releases the encoded information into the cells. So now, again, let's take a step back and think about what we've experienced since 2020. Could this be why some people developed long-haul symptoms of COVID-19? You know, were, were there, was their DNA changed by the information encoded within the virus? Now, the research that I'm speaking of that was done in 2012, essentially what that means is that scientists can transmit whatever information they want between cells. And um, one of the scientists on the project, she actually admitted that you know this type of research in the future would allow for tissue engineering and cr- the creation of artificial organs. Well, we're there now, that, that's happening. Now, another um, interesting study to be aware of, and I promise I will um, end with hope and what we can do, um, because there's beautiful things that the Lord is pouring out right now in the earth realm. Uh, But another study uh, back in more than 20 years ago, this was performed by Russian scientists, and they discovered that words and frequencies can actually reprogram our DNA. Now, epigenetics plays an important role in this and simply stated what epigenetics is, is it's the impact our thoughts, behaviors, and lifestyle choices have on our body, soul, and spirit, as well as future generations. So what these Russian scientists did is they decided to examine the 90% of DNA that Western scientists consider to be junk DNA. Now, Western scientists only look at the 10% of our DNA that's involved in building proteins. But the Russian scientists thought outside of the box and their findings were groundbreaking. What they found is that the 90% of DNA is actually involved in data storage and communication. So the genetic code of this 90% of the DNA actually follows the same rules as human language, meaning it uses syntax and grammar rules. So essentially, human language may be just a verbalization of our DNA, which is crazy to think about. Now, with the Russians, um, what they did is they were able to use frequency and words to transmit patterns of information from one set of DNA to another. Now, what that means is they were able to transform a frog embryo into a salamander embryo without a surgical procedure, just by using words and frequencies. 
So what this does is this science really points to the power of our words. And moreover, you know, this explains how epigenetics can change our DNA. Now, one of my favorite books um, on epigenetics is by Dr. Carolyn Leaf, and it's called Switch On Your Brain. She would be amazing to have on your show, by the way. I don't she know if would. she does. Interviews. We should try to get her. I've thought of her. I've seen her live, but yes, you're right. We should try to get her. She would be amazing. Yes. So she writes this. She says, this scientific power of our mind to change the brain is called epigenetics. And spiritually, it is as a man thinks. So is he. That's Proverbs 23, 7. She writes, the way the brain changes as a result of mental activity is scientifically called neuroplasticity. And spiritually, it is the renewing of the mind, Romans 12, 2. The science of epigenetics, which is tangible scientific proof of how important our choices are, they bring life or death, blessing or cursing, and they reach beyond us to influence the next generations. That's Deuteronomy 30, 19. This is because choices become signals that change our brain and body. So these changes are not dictated by our genes. Our thinking and subsequent choices become the signal switches for our genes. What's incredible is that genes are dormant until switched on by a signal. They have potential, but they have to be activated to release that potential. Your choices might impact the generations that follow. And that's for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation, which is Exodus 34, 7. Wow. So what she's writing is so powerful because it's tying, um, you know, the power in our words to blessing and curses. Essentially, we can literally cause ourselves to be sick when we speak curses over ourselves or when we come into agreement with others who are speaking curses over ourselves. And the Lord's really challenged me um, to be careful with my words. So as an example, you know, if I'm, if I'm experiencing symptoms of a head cold, I no longer say I am sick. I say I am fighting sickness because I don't want to claim sickness, disease, or debilitation as part of my being. I don't want to say my arthritis or my bad back or my headache or my migraine, because when we do that, we're actually cursing ourselves with those ailments because we're claiming it as part of our being. And what's fascinating too is that 60 to 70% of our body is made up of water. And so it makes sense that words carry such an impact as well as sound frequencies. See, when um, blessings and curses actually emit frequencies, when curses are released, it emits a dissonant sound that actually alters matter even to a subatomic level. And there's fascinating research. You may have heard of it. It's Masura Emoto's research. And what he did is he looked at the impact of positive words and negative words on water molecules. So what he did is he um, wrote or typed up on little strips of paper, positive and negative words, and he taped them to uh, water bottles. So the words faced the water. And then what he did is he looked at the water molecules in a crystallized form, so frozen under a microscope. And what he, what he discovered is that the structure of the water molecule would change based on the messages that it received. So those water molecules that had positive words blessing the water, such as love or gratitude, would form these beautiful crystals. 
But then the water molecules that had curses, such as you fool, or even the word Hitler, form these chaotic, ugly water crystals. And it's fascinating to me because obviously water can't read, right? But the frequency um, in the written words causes a vibration such that it literally changes the water molecules. So when you think about that, it really shows us the power in our words. So when we release blessing from our words, it's life-giving. It has the power to heal and bring forth beauty. But when we release curses, that has the power to destroy. And so when you think about, you know, water can change based on the words spoken to it. Imagine what our bodies do with lyrics in songs, for example. What we're doing to the very structure of our cells when we're playing um, music over us, good or bad. And then imagine what the word of God spoken over us does to our very being. And Isaiah 55, 10 through 11 says, as the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and make it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. And I love that because the word of God is a tremendous weapon at our fingertips, but so few Christians know how to properly wield it. You know, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And you think about Jesus when he was in the wilderness facing every temptation known to humanity. He was facing, you know, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. He fought off the accuser, Satan, by using the word of God. Jesus didn't fight Satan with his opinion. He used the word of God. In Matthew 4, 4, it says, Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So the, this, the word of God, you know, it is a powerful weapon in slaying the giants. And if we combine the word of God with an understanding of our true identity, we can really walk in the fullness of our dominion authority. And this allows us to tap into the frequencies of heaven. And that's what is so incredible. And I just want to share um, two biblical stories that will show us how do we now tap into these healing frequencies and the frequencies of heaven so that we don't have to be hoodwinked by the Nephilim agenda. So what what so, you're basically saying, if I and I, like it's so important what we speak. I know there's been um tests done even on plants. Like if you speak nasty to a plant, sometimes they shrivel up and they don't like it. But if you, they say to talk nice to the plants, you know, and so all of that seems like an old, old wives tale until you bring in what you're talking about. And to think that this has been harnessed by the evil forces, by the Rockefellers or, or forces that want to bring disharmony and war to our planet are figuring this out. So we cannot ignore this. Like this is epic that we understand how powerful these frequencies, how powerful our words are, that we therefore speak words of life. Please continue. This is just one of the most fascinating. Everyone, I urge you to please share, like hit the share button right now. This is phenomenal. People need to hear this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
So in being able to release the sounds of heaven, the frequencies of heaven, we have at least two biblical stories we can look at. One is certainly when Joshua was approaching Jericho, the Lord gave a very unusual strategy that involved sound technology. And, you know, it was an unusual strategy, as I mentioned, um, but Joshua learned um, to walk in the fear of the Lord because he had an intimate relationship with Jesus. Um, you know, he lingered in the tent of meeting when Moses would leave the tent of meeting. He wanted to be in the presence of God. And that allowed him, like I said, to walk in the fear of the Lord such that he had radical obedience. You know, he did whatever the Lord told him to do. Well, Jericho was a place that was inhabited by giants. In fact, Jericho's wall um, the walls were built using um, cyclopean masonry, which essentially are these massive stones that are tightly fit together. And, you know, they were common in megalithic architecture um, of those days. Well, we don't know how those walls were built. Sound technology could have been part of the process, but we do know for certain that sound technology was used to tear down the walls of Jericho. So the strategy that the Lord gave Joshua is um, first to march around the city six days um, and march with the people and with priests, seven priests blowing the trumpets in front of the Ark of the Covenant. Then on the seventh day, they were instructed to march around the city seven times. And when the people heard the priests blowing the, the loud blast with the trumpets, they were to release a shout as, as much as they could, a loud shout. And the combination would bring the walls of Jericho down. And this really was a demonstration of the power of heaven's frequencies being released into the earth realm. And the reason I mentioned that they're heaven's frequencies is because God was the conductor of the orchestra. Think about it. You know, he told the Israelites and Joshua what instruments to use he told them when to use it. He also told the choir of the people when to join the instruments. And what, what Yahweh was doing is he was teaching Joshua and the Israelites how to release the sound of heaven into the earth realm. And that allowed them to slay the giants of Jericho. Now, the other example is Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat actually faced an army of hybrids. And I'll read portions of 2 Chronicles 20. It says, some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. This is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. You will not have to fight this battle. Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. Jehoshaphat appointed me to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. And as they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes. And so here we see in this story, Jehoshaphat, he was alarmed, not only because the size of the army was vast in number, but it was also because the size of the army was great in stature. There were giants in their ranks. And I go into this in much greater detail in my book, but 
the Edomites, they intermingled with the giants, as did the, the people from Mount Sire. That whole region was a place where the giants were inhabited. And so the Lord orchestrated the destruction of these giants and the other soldiers uh, because of the worship and the praise that Jehoshaphat led out with. And I love that, you know, Jehoshaphat, he wasn't paralyzed in fear, um, fear of man, like Saul was back in the days when Goliath was taunting the armies of Israel. Instead, what Jehoshaphat did is he called a fast. He inquired of the Lord and all of Judah joined in and they inquired of the Lord. And that's when the Lord gave them this strategy that you're to send the worshipers out first. Those that are going to praise through song go out in the front. And that the that frequencies released in heaven brought destruction to the armies that were coming against Israel. And so I share all this because, you know, I really believe that what the Lord wants to do is he wants to release these new sounds into the earth realm, the sounds that will slay the giants and set the captives free. Because really, we're living in a generation where we have been hoodwinked by this Nephilim agenda. And as I mentioned, you know, music being tuned to 440 has played a huge role in that. And so it's really time to make this shift into the new revelation that the Lord is releasing regarding the sounds of heaven. And tuning A to 444 hertz is just the first step. It, it really unlocks revelation. So you can think of 444 hertz like a key that's going to unlock the door to revelation of how to walk and release those sounds of heaven. And so I believe what the Lord is, is speaking through this is that, you know, when we worship in spirit and in truth with instruments and voices tuned to 444 hertz, we will see mass deliverance. We will see healings take place. We will see the kind of power encounters that slay the giants. And so I am deeply encouraged by, you know, what the Lord is doing in this earth realm in these days. I feel like, you know, we are living in some of the, the worst of times, but also the best of times. Oh, my goodness. I'm, I'm thinking of another time where God calls, caused a hush over, over, the wind began to blow over the mulberry bushes, which sounded, mm -hmm. the, the sound was the sign, and that uh, instituted a great victory that day. There's another one where these lepers were basically crawling along the ground, and the sound of their, God used the sound of their, um, you know, entry to, to scare everyone. And they got there and like, it sounded like there was so much more. Sound is so scary. Um, if you watch a scary movie and you turn the, the music off, it's not that scary. You, you know, you turn down the sound and you don't hear anything. But when you turn up the sound and, you know, they've got all of that music that's terrifying, then you're scared. Your whole spirit is scared. Um, so... This is truly amazing. So how do we know how to invite the right sound? Like, can, can we feel it in our spirit when the, the megahertz is at the wrong place? I think some people definitely can that are sensitive to frequencies. Um, I have a, a close friend of mine that I was just um, dialoguing with in the last several days and she watched some of the other podcasts where I've spoken about this. And she mentioned that it makes so much sense because 
even when she's listening to worship music, all, most all music is tuned to 440 hertz because that's the standard tuning since 1939. Orchestras, wow. symphonies, you know, musicians, they largely tune A to 440. And she can feel it. She feels like this unsettledness. Well, I was in Nashville um, meeting with a group of um, Christian worship leaders, uh, Christian artists. And um, I was speaking about this very thing. Mm. And one of the vocal coaches um, said that he just had a friend of his send him a guitar recording with 432 hertz, 440 and 444. And so we played it for these musicians and they had a visceral response. Um, You know, 432 was peaceful. Mm -hmm. 440, there was this jarring um, in in their chest. And then 444, it felt like they were elevated. They were lifted. And so it does really um, impact. And, you know, some of the research that I shared, certainly 440 can stir up negative emotion. So I want to say this though, because um, even though a lot of the worship music that we love and, and use to enter into the presence of the Lord, that's tuned to 440. But when we worship in spirit and in truth, the Lord inhabits our praises. And so it's beautiful. I mean, we've all experienced incredible worship times um, with music tuned to 440. But imagine if we got out of that destructive frequency and into frequencies that unlock greater revelation, imagine what could happen. And so the exciting thing is um, some of the Christian music artists are starting to play their music in 444 hertz. And there's a group called Mountains in the Sea. They're an indie band, um, but they're a Christian group. All of their music is tuned 444 hertz. There's also a harpist um, named Steve Rees. He is on YouTube. All of his music is tuned to 444. Michael Tyrell, uh, his Whole Tones project, all of that is tuned to 444. And then... um, an up-and-coming Christian music artist named Bay Turner. He's about to release his first album, and the Lord did something so remarkable. Um, I met him in Nashville. He wasn't in the meetings that I was in, but we happened to gather for dinner with a larger group, and the Lord sat him right next to me. (laughs) And he looked at me, he's like, so who are you and what do you do? And so I just started sharing with him a lot of what I talked to you about. And it was the perfect timing because he went home and he talked with his producer and they are producing his entire album um, tuned 444 hertz. And so there's starting to be a building of momentum. So I get a lot of questions from musicians and I'll just um, share this for those in your audience that are musicians with Um, stringed instruments, it's very easy to tune to 444. You just take your tuner, your app, you go into the setting of whatever tuning device you use, and you just change A from 440 to 444. And then you tune your guitar or your bass or your violin or whatever stringed instrument you have. A piano, you would need a tuner to come tune it. Um, What's difficult is the the 
wind instruments and the brass instruments those need to be restructured um, and so that's a, that's more difficult and that's why way back in 1939 this conference that i was speaking about they went and they talked to the the um, instrument makers because you have to literally change the way you make some instruments but just as an encouragement if you play keyboard, if you sing, if you play a stringed instrument, piano, those are easy, I should say easier to change to 444 hertz. Okay, so I have a little keyboard that I got my husband to get me for my birthday. Was it the birthday present? And um, I wanted to learn how to play piano and, and whatnot. So do you think that on that keyboard, I have some sort of mechanism by which I, I would put, I would tell it what megahertz I want to it to play at? Yes, most keyboards you can do that with. Um, it depends on the keyboard. It can be a little bit more challenging mathematically to figure out, but yeah. um, you can always reach out to me. I've got people that have figured it out and have sent me the information. Okay, so let's say we go to church, uh, Dr. Laura, and we're, um, you know, worshiping God. Um, what megahertz are we doing it at in church? Most churches are doing it in 440. There are oh, worship yeah. leaders who are stepping out and changing it. Some here locally in Salt Lake are making those changes, which is exciting. I've got worship leaders that reached out to me in California that are doing it. Right. Um, so I think this is just the beginning stages of this. But what I want to emphasize is most important is that we worship in spirit and in truth. Mm. Because when we get into that type of worship, we can bypass um, the destructive nature of 440 hertz. So I don't want to communicate that our worship is bad because it's in 440 hertz. It can be beautiful and we can enter into the presence of the Lord when we worship in spirit and in truth. But what I'm suggesting is it's time to go to the next level. And revelation will unfold when we can shift into the 444 hertz. And that's literally just the first step of what God wants to unfold. So being aware of this, then, um, you know, every parent here, you could send this to your child who, who's, you know, taking guitar lessons and wants to be a rock star or whatever. But beginning to understand the power, what you were saying about words and fre frequencies changing DNA, Mm -hmm. Um, like that's mind blowing. So, so it's just so important what we speak. So if we're speaking life into our bodies, like what are, do you have suggested things that we might be saying to ourselves? I know that I say to myself, I will never have cancer. I'm cancer free. I was also diagnosed with lupus. And uh, I always say, you know, I, I, I don't have any um, impact from being diagnosed with lupus. And I, I really have had very little. Um, and it's getting less and less as I go, uh, especially, I just want to say, after taking some ivermectin, I didn't have to go back onto my hydroxychloroquine, um, uh, you know, pattern that you take once you get lupus. But just speaking to yourself, do you recommend that? Mm -hmm. Like, this is where... You know, we we encourage ourselves in the Lord as David did when he was very discouraged mm -hmm. because people were trying to kill him, actually, mm -hmm. as they're trying to kill us. <laughs> so right. speaking right. those words of truth would be very important. Absolutely. And that's the easiest place for us to start. 
We can speak blessing over ourselves. We can look at our generational line, for example. Let's just think about physical ailments. We can look at, okay, do heart attacks run in the family line? Does cancer run in the family line? Does diabetes? And just like you mentioned, we can speak over ourselves. I will not have cancer. I will not get diabetes. I will not have a heart attack. I bless my heart with the ability to pump and and flow uh, blood throughout my body. Then also speaking the word of God over yourself. That Mm. is powerful because we literally, the word of God surrounds us and I'm learning, the Lord is teaching me how to literally live in scripture. So it, it comes inside and it changes everything about me. And so I just encourage people to begin blessing yourself with a, with the word of God. Amen. I was just looking on my, um, I, I see, see if I can do like a, a demonstration for everyone. Um, because if the devil wants to bother me, he basically has to listen to the Bible when he's in my presence. So what happens is I put on Bible gateway, which has this, um, the letter of first Peter chapter one. I hope it's Peter, at 444, megahertz. <laughs> but um, so as an example, you can take any um, any portion of scripture, and I sometimes play this either softly by my bed or I have my, I have my, I never go far without these, and I don't do a Bluetooth because I don't like the Bluetooth going to my brain. I just, that's me personally. But um, so I take these and I listen to the word because if the devil wants to keep me up at night, I'm going to use that time to just ingest the word, have it playing in the the rooms that we're in, I guess, setting the ambiance, right? Setting the, the atmosphere to an atmosphere that welcomes the power of the living God. And I don't think we do this enough. We're often in our cars for hours driving here or there. We've got the news on, which is upsetting us, uh, you know, or we're, we're just not making, or we just like to play some of those nice uh, songs that we maybe grew up on. But I'm not certain if the enemy hasn't, you know, captured those songs and we just need to guard ourselves. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yes. And just to be encouraged that, um, you know, the Lord has, he's unfolding this revelation because he has a way for us to break mm. free from being hoodwinked by this Nephilim agenda. Right. Listen, people in, in the, <coughs> in the feed right now, somebody's saying that they need Jesus. Uh, people are saying all kinds of things. Like, I think we're having a little bit of a revival going on. Uh, you know, <laughs> Uh, one of the weapons is, you know, in our armor that we put on the whole armor. People are just talking about, yes, Lord, I need the Holy Spirit, you know. Um, so a lot of people are are really feeling this because I think this is revelatory um, mm-hmm. and such good information. The Bible says without knowledge, the people perish. So what you've mm-hmm. done is you've done this research on what some of these global elites that we talk about every day, they're using this power of sound the power of music. Uh, no wonder so many of our common, uh, you know, the big names that are in music these days are completely being used as assets. Uh, I, I heard someone questioning if, you know, some are being used by the CIA so that they are putting out their information at their concerts or whatever, and they're affecting an entire generation. 
And so mm -hmm. this is so powerful. Before I let you go, I'll tell you uh, one story that I loved and I was thinking about it while you were speaking, but it's by Lance Wall now, who I, I dearly love listening to him, watching him. I find him to be such a, a very interesting man with God's word and uh, a very prophetic voice in our nation. And he speaks the truth, but he would go to events and he would get the entire crowd. And at first he didn't know that this would happen, but um, he'd ask the crowd on the count of three or whatever, we're going to say as one. So the first time that he did this at one of these events, um, it, something happened. And when they said the crowd of, you know, several hundred or whatever, you know, the basic sound you expect to hear from a crowd of 300 people saying the same two words at the same moment. But what happened was the angels sounded in. So when he did as one, the angelic forces did it at the same time. And everyone just went, <gasps> and there was a collective, you know, understanding that that was not just human. And so mm. I'm so encouraged by what you're sharing with us. And this is such a, it's a warning and it's, and it's knowledge that, that we can move with and go with. So I'm, uh, I, I, I'm so grateful for you. Um, I'll just give you the final word. If there's anything more that we haven't covered or you were going to cover, um, please do. And let's do this again as we basically understand the power of the supernatural, the Nephilim. Um, do you think that we've got Nephilim in the world today? Like there's some people kind of look like Nephilim and I don't want to say their names right now because I'm on one of their platforms. Y'all might know who I mean, but he doesn't look <laughs> human. <laughs> but I don't want him mad at me because I don't want him taking my, 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 my platform down. But do you think that ne the Nephilim are among us? What do you think? Yes, absolutely. Yes, that would be a whole nother podcast. Yes. It's very interesting to talk the about Nephilim that. The Nephilum Among Us, that's our next podcast title, okay? <laughs> <laughs> All right. You're you're so wonderful. Thank you for your time. Thank you for the book you've absolutely. written. Where can people get this book and can they follow you? Are you uh, do you have a Substack yes. or yeah, give us the download on that. Yeah. So the best place to follow me uh, to start with is my website, which is no longer enslaved.com. And my book's available on my website. It's also available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Um, I narrated it. So it's also available on Audible for those that like to listen to books. And then exciting news is that it is being translated into Spanish as well. So that um, will be released probably in mid-February, I'm guessing. And then I'm also on um, YouTube and Rumble under No Longer Enslaved. I have a 10-part series called The Impact of the Nephilim Agenda Today. I also have a seven-part series called Transformation Through Spiritual Mapping. And then if people want to reach out via social media, I'm on Instagram and Telegram as Laura Sanger 444 Hertz. Oh, <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> that is great. That is great. Laura Sanger, 444. Okay. So that's Instagram. And you said one other one? Telegram. And Telegram. And it's, okay. it's 444 Hertz, HZ. HZ. Okay. That is fantastic. Thank you for educating us today. We sure appreciate you, Dr. Laura. Absolutely. We'll see you again Thanks next time. Me. Thank you. Okay. All right.
Okay, everybody, on the sound, on this count of three, let's say as one and all the angels in our collective rooms are gonna say it with us, okay? All right, <laughs> let's see what happens. <laughs> all right, all right, on the count of three, we say as one, all right? Everybody in your living rooms, can you do it? You're in your car, you're listening on the podcast. Are you ready? Let's do it with our angels. We invite you to help us. All right, one, two, three, as one. Amen. Amen. I didn't really hear it out loud, but I had I had a zing just go through my body. I feel it right now. I got tingles. Okay. Super cool. All right. We've got somebody waiting in the wings. Um, you got to, oh, we don't want to forget Dr. Laura Sanger, do we? Make sure you follow her. Get her book. Her book is thick and it's all about the crazies, you know, and, and it helps you to understand the supernatural. All right, well, we're going to go then and bring in one of our favorite former pilots. Uh, bring him in. It's uh, uh, Greg Hill, and he was a speaker at my last event in Ontario, and he's got lots to tell us, and he's doing a big event in Vancouver, and I want to let you know about it. So, Greg, thanks for waiting in the uh, sidelines there. Give us a little about yourself. Uh, give us your bio, because um, we want to hear from you. Uh, that we, We've just been you know, sort of basking in some real truth. I hope that when you're flying, you're flying at 444 hertz, all right? That is the best, that is the best hertz that you can be flying at. I don't know if there's a sound with airplanes, but anyways, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on, Marlon. You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, when, uh, when, when you are, uh, you know, looking at everything that's going on in the airline industry, this recent story, can you shed any light on it where the, the, the window blew out of the plane? Is that interesting? Like, you don't want to be on the plane where that happens. The window and then the door all came out of, a, of an aircraft. Yeah, I mean, as pilots, when we see something like that, we typically put ourselves in the situation of being the captain or the first officer on the aircraft and and typically will go through mentally what we do in that circumstance uh, what we've run for checklists and all the different things you have to think about so it's something that we we train for we see similar things happening uh, on the roads and highways unfortunately at times as well but uh, it's an extremely rare event it's something that we train for and i i don't know a whole lot about the details uh, of it but again i uh, i'm actually going in a simulator here in the next few days and i think a similar scenario is uh, is on tap for us not because of what happened it just happened to be what's uh, what's scripted uh, so that's typically how how we think about it we actually before we go flying tend to review those uh, sort of things as part of our procedures as well just so that we're prepared but uh, you're always aiming to be uh, at your best oh i've lost the audio to you i'm so sorry um, yeah, the, um, there we go. Uh, th they did an interview on Fox News with uh, a grandmother who was with her kids on that flight. And uh, they did a little prayer to Jesus. And, and then they took the, you know, put the oxygen masks on. And then she said she just had a calm feeling that basically if anything was going to go real, real bad, that it would have already happened. But thank goodness we've got great pilots like you who know what to do in the event of an emergency. And we just appreciate your... Um, your professionalism and you know I'd, I definitely want to be on any flight that, that you were running Greg we've had numerous talks about 
uh, the issues that have sort of surrounded pilots. But you're doing something new and you've got an event going on. We want to let everyone know I'm going to be attending and it's in the Vancouver area, basically. Yeah, it's on January 25th at 7 p.m. I think you'll probably have the, the link available uh, for folks. It's on our uh, Eventbrite. But the history behind it, this isn't a fundraiser uh, for us. We just aim to cover our costs and that's it. But over the past year, for sure, as we've seen so much happening within the freedom movement, I've, I've been more and more convinced that in order to change culture, we've really got to get back to basics. And I think it's what we're, we're called for as Christians as well, is rather than we, we've gotten to this strange sort of scenario amongst many of our circles where some of us can describe the, uh, you know, the background of the deep state and uh, Anthony Fauci's curriculum vitae and a little bit about uh, immunology and other Wise, but we can't remember maybe the last time we took our wives out for a date and, uh, and explored where they're at personally, or we're not quite sure what our kids are, are up to and who their friends are. And I think we've got to get back to basics and ground ourselves, first of all, where are we at with Christ? Uh, next, what are we doing within our homes? Are we the best father, mother, brother, neighbor, etc., that we can be? And then out of that solid foundation being formed, uh, we need to be plugged into courageous, faithful churches, and only then are we going to be able to impact culture. So we've talked a lot about the relational, and we were created as relational beings, and that's where we've got to really look to set the foundation. And so as we, we talked about it and thought about it more, I thought there's a certain element here where it's it's the old, if you build it, they will come. And sometimes people are, are literally on their own, and I've talked to some at these events. We had two others. Uh, we had one in Toronto and one in Calgary, both absolutely phenomenal. Such an encouragement even for me personally to, to talk to people and meet them and hear them testify to the encouragement they, that they uh, had in standing shoulder to shoulder with other people, the world the same. Uh, and I'm sure you're the same. You're immersed in a lot of this on a daily basis, but some people are, they're in their homes alone and they just end much eating what amounts to bad news. And if we're not plugged in um, and aligned with other people and building communities, and I'm talking local here, where we're not talking about the theoretical and reading news clips, because so much of what we see and read, uh, I get demoralized by it as well. And I find I need to ask myself, what am I able to do about this right now today? And if there's something I can do, then I should absolutely be doing it. If I need to call my local mayor or otherwise and have a conversation, then great. But what are we actually doing today? to build and we talk about building um, and we're called to glorify Christ in all that we do and, and what are we doing that with what's been placed uh, before us and I think this is a biblical principle so out of that uh, we're planning on having one in Vancouver we had a lot of folks out there asking when we were coming out west uh, so that's the plan. Wow I, I'm kind of amazed that you sort of you've kind of pivoted like into doing something I, I think you're on the right track. And I just have to say this, uh, Greg, that one of the problems is with all of the the um, pain and suffering, and I would say crisis that we've endured for the last three to four years, everything we've all been through that's been a bit traumatic with what's happened in our world, um, some of us feel like we've kind of lost our, our footing, our grounding. We've lost our sense of community. And this is this mm -hmm. sounds so nice. 
this sounds so beautiful. So you're not just talking, you're not, you're, you're Greg from Free to Fly, but you're not just talking about flying at all. You're talking about making your life work on every aspect, your marriage, your relationships, your, your family. Yeah, well, I, I, and I, if you look back, and I mean, it sounds cliched, but politics is downstream of culture. And I think the reality in Canada now is that, unfortunately, our judiciary is also downstream now of politics. And so you swing back to the start and, and what needs to change in order for, for us to actually see change. And that change needs to come by changing culture. And really, that's the Great Commission. And, and that's what we are called to. So we do have other things going on. This isn't the only doing. We, we do have a class action lawsuit that's, that's underway. And my name sits in a prominent place there. And we're continuing to walk through those uh, corridors as, as required. But I, I believe firmly the change is going to come about by a starter fashion I described. And um, it's interesting, as, as you were uh, just talking about the beauty of it and otherwise, a uh, bit of a diversion here, but I, I, I just finished reading one of The Lord of the Rings. And you'll find it it's shocking that I haven't read uh, anything until now. But I finally understood why so many kept talking about it. And there's a fairly well-known quote out of it that says, the world is indeed full of peril. And in it, there are many dark places, but still there is much that is fair. And though in all lands, love is now made grief, it grows perhaps the greater. And I think that's what we've got to remember is that there is a grief mingled with the love that we share within our circles, be they or large, but it grows greater when we're faced with trial. And, and Proverbs uh, talks about uh, about this truth as well, that a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity and we need to find those brothers and sisters that we can stand shoulder to shoulder with. And that's what we're looking to do by holding these, we call them meet and greets. The focus isn't on a uh, whole pile of speeches. Uh, I usually give a, a little uh, bit of an update, but the focus is really on meeting people that you haven't met before and having important conversations and forming new friendships and this whole area that you should be aligning yourself with. Okay, so we want to let everyone know, and I'm going to be there. I'm looking so forward to it. Um, January 25th, everyone, if you are in the Vancouver area, meet and greet in Vancouver, uh, put on by Free to Fly Canada, and it starts at 7 p.m. at night, and you can get tickets. We have it in the description where the video is located. Uh, that you are watching right now. And, you know, if, if it's not, then go to Rumble, but it's basically in all the descriptions, right? And uh, it will be at the Marine Drive Golf Club. Absolutely beautiful. And that's Thursday, January 25th, 7 p.m. So you're recommending that, like, bring your spouse and, and come prepared for a very enjoyable evening with like-minded people. Yeah, for sure. And, and like I said, I've, I've been so encouraged just in getting to meet some people that we, we may have talked to via email or otherwise. But uh, but again, you know, this was the great tragedy of closing churches and otherwise we thought that we could somehow replace that uh, that in-person uh, experience meeting via Zoom, the same as, as you well know. So that we want to uh, we want to get as many as we can in the room and we're looking forward to it. And I, uh, I'm thrilled that you're going to be there as well. I love it. I love it. Thank you for doing this, Greg. Thank you for doing something that's just going to strengthen our community and strengthen our, our sense of, of security and our mind. You know, love, power, and a sound, a sound mind. That's what we want to move forward with. 
and some some of us uh, have felt our minds being just a little disgruntled and I hear from people every day and if you're one of those people get a ticket it's not very much money I think it's 32 bucks or something like that that's easily worth a, a wonderful night and uh, can't wait to see you there Greg thank you for doing what you're doing and I look forward to it looking forward to it thank Great. you thanks Laura Lynn thank you Greg take care all right, and I'll put that up on my Facebook as well and, and uh, Twitter so that, you know, you can always go there uh, to see what's happening. All right, so have you heard what's happening in Poland? Three weeks ago, a, global, a globalist-backed parliament took power, and now police have stormed the presidential palace and arrested two conservative MPs. So these, these folks, I guess, are out irate, right? Now, they're, they're, they've arrested two conservative MPs. This is sort of what's going on in the world, is that, you know, the, the justice system, the police and whatnot, you know, are, are being weaponized. And uh, so this is very, very, very interesting times. All right, so Hunter Biden makes an appearance at the oversight hearing to hold him in contempt and uh, this is what happened when Marjorie Taylor Greene began to speak. Time's expired. Chair, recognize Ms. Greene from Georgia for five minutes. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, excuse going? me. Hunter, oh, apparently no. you're afraid of my words. Whoa. Uh, here goes. <laughs> oh. I like to reclaim my time, Mr. Chairman. Wow, that's too bad. <laughs> I think it's clear and obvious for everyone watching this hearing today that Hunter Biden is terrified of strong conservative Republican women because he can't even face my words as I was about to speak to him. What a coward. So what happened there, JT? Did he just walk out? So he just got up and walked out? <laughs> Soon as she started to speak, <laughs> that's when you know he's running scared. All right. So Hunter Biden, um, imagine if any either of the Trump boys who have been uh, given the same subpoenas and oh, you got the next one. All right, take a look at this. Florida Representative uh, Byron Donalds uh, excoriates Hunter over his Democratic Party privilege. Take a look. Oh, look. Let's be very clear. This isn't about Hunter Biden's white privilege. It's about Hunter Biden's Democrat privilege because Donald Trump Jr. showed up for five congressional subpoenas. There was never this circus where he was subpoenaed by House Democrats and he showed up on the Senate side or showed up at the White House to answer in some fake, phony, lame press conference, not actually going to the House and doing what he was compelled by a subpoena to do. Hunter Biden did that. And then he has the unmitigated gall to show up here when we know that he's, we're going through actually the, the legislation for contempt with, by the way, Mr. Chairman, we should actually get to the legislation of contempt. The speechifying is great, but let's do our business members. Um, he has the gall to come here, show up, and then when the Democrats are saying, hey, he wants to speak, he leaves. This is a joke. This is a farce. The man has been subpoenaed by Congress. Oh, and by the way, the January 6th committee, Mr. Raskin, which you did sit on, by the way, that was not a normally ordered committee of Congress because Nancy Pelosi did not want the Republican members that's, that then Leader McCarthy put up. According to the courts, it was. I, we, my time, sir. Will you yield for I, a, no, I will a correction? I was respectful of your time. I didn't say anything. So, ladies and gentlemen, 
Let's move forward with our business. He should be held in contempt. There was a subpoena. He did not answer it. Any other American will be held in contempt by Congress. Any other. This is Democrat privilege of the highest order. Let's do our jobs. I yield. Oh, I don't like that guy. He's got fire. You know, I love him. Thank you so much, sir, for standing up. Um, all right. Well, Jeffrey Epstein, I'm kind of excited, you guys. It looks like we're going to have... Um, the the fellow uh why uh, Dershowitz yeah Alan Dershowitz on the show on Friday now he's been on the Jeffrey Epstein list and of course he's got uh, an explanation about all of that so we'll get that from him he he's also got a new book and we're gonna have an interesting discussion with Alan Dershowitz on Friday regarding what's going on in uh, the United States of America so. Here, Michael Schellenberger uh, discusses the mounting evidence that Jeffrey Epstein was really working for Western intelligence agencies. Say what? It sounds like a Hollywood movie. Government intelligence agencies, perhaps CIA and Mossad, use sex with dozens of teenage girls to blackmail some of the world's most powerful people, including Bill Gates, Prince Andrew, and Bill Clinton. But it's not a movie. It appears to be what New York investor Jeffrey Epstein did from the 1990s until 2018. One year later, he died in jail, either by suicide or murder. Now, there's a lot of misinformation out there about this case. The truth is that we don't have the hard proof that the CIA, FBI, or Mossad were involved in Epstein's sex trafficking. But we do know that the U.S. attorney for South Florida at the time, who arranged for Epstein's lenient sentence, said, quote, I was told Epstein belonged to intelligence and to leave it alone. And we know that the current CIA director visited Epstein's home. And all of the top journalists who have looked deeply into the Epstein case believe that intelligence agencies, including Mossad and CIA, were involved with Epstein and may have even controlled him. Now, the reason any of this matters is because it's just wrong for the people who are supposed to be protecting us to be involved in sex trafficking. That goes for both minors and adults. Government agencies asking their employees or their contractors to be prostitutes is coercive, exploitative, and wrong. So how did this happen? Miami Herald reporter Julie Brown gave, I think, the most succinct answer in her 2021 book. Epstein got away with his crimes, she said, because nearly every element of society allowed him to get away with them. This includes the FBI, the U.S. Department of Justice, Florida State Attorney General, and the media. Vanity Fair and ABC that we know of, and probably others, killed stories about Epstein. Just last week, the New York Times dismissed new court documents as, quote, fodder for conspiracy theorists. Now, we don't really know if Epstein was the mastermind or if he's working for someone else. A former Israeli intelligence official says that the father of Epstein's girlfriend, Jelaine Maxwell, introduced Epstein to Israel's Mossad, which has worked closely with the CIA for decades. After Epstein was caught in 2008, the government gave him a sweetheart deal rather than send him to prison. The worst part of the story is that Epstein then continued his sex blackmail operation and continued to attract powerful men to it until 2018, a full 10 years later. The FBI then raided Epstein's home and then left behind a huge stash of CDs with photographs of young girls and perhaps some of the men on them as well. Wow. So, you know, um, it doesn't pay to be sinful because be sure your sins will find you out. A lot of people probably freaking out right now because more and more information is coming out. And, you know, if you've never done something that's uh, stupid, vile and, um, you know, 
completely perverted, like what Epstein, we, we began to watch um, the documentary series on it. And I don't think we're going to watch another one. I mean, you, you get the picture. He just literally, he would get, you know, one, uh, you know, un, underprivileged girl who really needed money to bring in more friends. Hey, you get 200 bucks if you show up at this certain time. And uh, he seemed to have two of them going a day. Like um, he he was a, a psychopath and destroyed a lot of women's lives. I think the only thing that they should be showing is the women crying after what has happened to them, sexually assaulted, not knowing that... Uh, that this was going to be happening and their lives never the same. They call it like the before Jeffrey Epstein and after Jeffrey Epstein era of their life. It changes everything forever. And it's sick and disgusting. These are psychopathic people that got involved. And you know, if somebody gets lured in, never get lured in by sin. Never put yourself in a vulnerable position to be lured in because what will happen is that uh, it has a way of all coming out. And guess who wants it to come out? Let me tell you a dirty secret about the devil. He spends a lot of time trying to convince you to do something that's really destructive for your life. And then you know what he does? He spends a lot of time trying to make sure that it's exposed so you are even more damaged. The devil ain't on your side to give you a, a short window of, um, of fun. You know, the Word of God says that sin is uh, it feels good for a season. Then what comes? Absolute destruction. It's not worth it. If you're an idiot, you fall into it. But if you're walking in the power of God, you just say no. And you know in your mind that's wrong. And you walk the other way, you resist the enemy, then he leaves you alone because he knows he can't get you. You don't have to stand and stand and stand. You know, you just have to resist in the moment. When that temptation comes to you, you resist in the moment. You do something else. You call a friend. Uh, you do anything you can to make sure that you don't fall into sin. The sin that easily besets you. Because the devil is going to use that to further destroy you by helping it to come out. By making it come out. Do you know who wants this, this whole list revealed? The devil. The devil who made them do it wants the list out. To destroy more lives. And the thing is, it's got to come out. Now the devil and God are all on the same side because the evil has to come out so that it can be dealt with because we can't have more and more and more victims. We want, we want to bring sanity back to this and justice, justice for those victims. So I, I saw something uh, I also saw on the Tucker Carlson network, um, the interview with uh, Jeffrey Weinstein's brother, who described in detail what happened. And I don't, I don't think he committed suicide. He had broken bones in his neck that the, uh, the autopsy, you know, overseer basically said he'd never seen that kind of breaking in someone's neck over a suicide with, you know, sheets. No, that guy was killed. Why? Probably because nobody ever wanted him to have the opportunity to reveal under pressure what he knew and who he knew had been involved. Just crazy. So one final thing is um, Trudeau liberals um, are going to, we'll just go to the share that I have there. Do you guys all hear this no, noise? No. Okay, they're not hearing it? All right, there you go. Um, Trudeau liberals to abandon, this is very serious, a hard cap 
on temporary visa program for Palestinians. Immigration Minister Mark Miller says the temporary visa program for Palestinians will no longer have a hard cap. I think they had limited it to a thousand. Following considerable pressure from human rights groups and Canada's Islamic lobby. Their advocates called the cap unfair and inhumane. Let me tell you something. We got a problem here. The Palestinians, when you look at the poll numbers, they're in support of Hamas. They have celebrated what happened to the Jews on October 7th. And this was before the Jews even began to retaliate. So don't think it's because the Israelis are now very uh, extensively involved in this dealing with the Hamas leaders and going after them extensively in Gaza. Um, it's not just then. As soon as this happened, the people in Gaza were celebrating and thrilled at what Hamas had done in Israel. And even as details have poured out, they have remained staunch. And the people that are marching in our Canadian streets and in the United States of America and worldwide and causing people to be extremely upset. I, I remember seeing that video, I think, on uh, Laura Ingram last night, um, a fellow just hugely upset, I think in New York or somewhere, this uh, African-American gets out of his car and just shoves them so he can get his, his car through because he has to get to his daughter. He's like, get out of the way. I'm going to run you over, you know? And uh, he gets out and he kind of shoves them and they're just blocking traffic and creating chaos all over the world. And these are the people in support of Hamas who went in and raped men and women and killed children and burned families alive in front of each other and put a baby in the oven and gutted a, a pregnant woman's stomach. We've been over it a lot of times. These are the people excited about that. And now we have no cap on them coming here. Do you think they share our values? What is the, the, the Canada's Islamic lobby? I'm sorry, but... What's your deal? What is your deal? Because do you feel safe that people are coming here that are in support of what Hamas did to Israel and they should be welcomed into our civil society? What's happening? Trudeau, you're, you, you feel that this is safe? Can they move in next door to you and your kids? These people have a completely different way of thinking. They support terrorism. We want that here? I ask you. This is what's going on. Now, Rebel, I don't know how, how much uh, good that, uh, you know, these, um, when they have something to sign, a petition to sign. Rebel does have a petition to sign. Uh, go ahead, you know, and, and the petition is no Gaza refugees. I think it's awesome. I, I like to sign um, things like that. You know, they've already got my name. They get your name and email anyways. But um, I appreciate Ezra Levant doing something like that. I, I think it's a good idea. No Gaza refugees. I'm down with that. Yes, I am. Listen, the uh, Middle East is a big place. Why do you think Egypt doesn't want them? Lebanon doesn't want them. Jordan doesn't want them. Syria doesn't want them. These are all 
Islamic people? Why aren't they being, you know, taken in by all these countries right around where they are? There's miles and miles and miles of land to build them homes. I bet you Israel would build them homes. They don't want them because their constant word is that the Palestinians are trouble wherever they go. And now we're going to bring them into Canada. I'm a Canadian girl. I want Canada to be safe and I'm not afraid to say it. Do you know what? You want to bring in a lot of refugees. How about some from Uganda? A lot of Christians. How about from where? Nigeria. And Nigeria. Nigeria Christians under complete fire. Bring them in by the thousands. They will probably give Canada a, a wealth of integrity and principles, godly principles. Our God, our God, Canada founded under Judeo Christian values of the God of Israel. The one true Jehovah God, that's who we serve. Bring in people like that, that are under fire in the world, that are being murdered. By who? Radical Islamo-fascists. Murdering Christians in Nigeria. Look it up. Bring them in. I welcome them. I welcome them. I do not welcome people who do not stand with the values that we represent here. And apparently we've already got too many of them here because they're in our streets. They're calling for the decimation of the Jews and from the, the river to the sea, they just want to get rid of them. I, I don't understand what's going on. I don't know how this is okay. I'm a bit of a big mouth. My name's Laura Lynn, Tyler Thompson. My website is lauralynn.tv. Thank you very much. If you like this kind of programming and this kind of truth talk, if you like the shows that we're doing, I get in trouble, you guys. So would, would you mind supporting this work so that we can keep going? If you like this, now by trouble, I mean people write me and, you know, and they'll say, oh, you're too blah, blah, blah. What would a Christian, what would Jesus do? You know? Well, when Jesus came up against the corruption in the church, he overturned the tables. In the Old Testament, God dealt very har harshly with the Amalekites. In Ecclesiastes, it says there is a time for peace and a time for war. I put myself in the shoes of a, pa of a Jewish woman in Israel. And when I think about the Palestinians the Hamas supporters, the Hamas evil psychopathic terrorists being on my doorstep. If something has already happened to my good fellows that are in Israel, I don't want them there anymore. A two-state Palestinian, uh, you know, response or, or answer is not possible any longer. And so it's important we stand together and I, I want peace, the, you know, and a ceasefire as much as anyone else. That's what was going on October 6th, a ceasefire. It was broken in the most inhumane, psychopathic way that our history books have ever recorded, that one-day assault. So I might be 
sort of a gentle soul, and I might have a lot of room for capacity and mercy, but I draw the line at vicious, murderous psychopaths. I'm done with all of that. So when I speak the truth here every day, do you know why I get to do this? Because nobody tells me to shut up. Only God and once in a while my husband. And right now, they're both giving me a clear path to be able to speak. <laughs> JT's laughing. Um, but I get to talk because we fund this through your generosity. We are able to do this. We are able to continue and, and work very hard to bring you this kind of programming because you open your pocketbook and help us. And thank you. You can go to the donation um, uh, box that's right there. You can make an anonymous gift donation. Thank you. You can make a one-time donation, great or small. And you can also become a monthly partner for anything from $5 and on. And if you can support us for a huge amount, we appreciate it because every month this is a faith walk and we say, Lord, help us to get through. And for all of you who've been so generous to us in December and November, we appreciate you very, very much. It's a brand new year. And now we get set up for doing this for another year, standing strong, speaking the truth in our beautiful Canadian country. May God keep our land glorious and free. Thank you for supporting us. I want to um, read to you today. Oh, I went to uh, a verse here and uh, I was looking for Isaiah 14, 12 to 17. That speaks of the fall of Lucifer. Do you know that the Bible is quite specific? There's actually a lot on him. Isaiah, Samuel, Kings, Kings, Chronicles and Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. And Isaiah, okay, sorry, it's on the, I have to get to it. I, I got to say the verses so I can, all the books so I can get there. Okay, Isaiah. So Isaiah, we're going to go to Isaiah 14, 12 to 17. This is the fall of Lucifer. And um, how you have fallen from heaven. Speaking of Lucifer, morning star, son of the dawn. Do you know, Lucifer was created as one of the most beautiful, second in command to God. And that's why he got so vain. He just thought he was gorgeous. He thought he was all that in a bag of chips. And so when he started thinking, you know what? Like uh, God created me so absolutely stunning. I've got all these instruments in my body and I can make music. And he was in charge of music. I wonder if it was 444 Hertz in heaven. I wonder now that he's turned into a 44. 440 megahertz dude on the earth. But he started thinking that he was just so significant and, and the pride is what got him. Pride brought Lucifer down. You have been cast down to the earth. You who once laid low the nations. Wow. So this is Isaiah again, 14 verses 12 to 17. You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the Mount of Assembly. He basically wanted God's throne. He wanted to be God. Like some people you know. On the utmost heights of Mount Zaphon, I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. Right there. 
pride. I will be just like God, says Harari. We're gonna be like God, says Noah Yuval Harari. We don't need, we don't need our humanity, our DNA. No, we'll change that. We'll change that with 440 megahertz. Blessed, uh, but you are brought down to the realm of the dead, to the depths of the pit. Those who see you stare at you. They ponder your fate, Satan. Is this the man who shook the earth and made kingdoms tremble? The man who made the world a wilderness, who overflow, overthrows its cities and would not let his captives go home. When God created Lucifer, it was so that Lucifer and the angels would serve God and God alone. Pride always gets us. Pride always comes before a fall. So when the globalist elites are telling us that we can be like God and we can be half human and half AI and, and we can sort of become these intersected mammals of some kind. In fact, Novel, uh, Noah Yuval Harari basically saying that uh, we'll be not even human at all by like 2040 or something like that. We'll be like God. It's the same pride that brought down Satan. Thanks for joining us today. Epic show. Share, share, share. See you tomorrow. You know, it's not easy to deliver the truth of what our sick world is doing, but for some of us, we feel that we have no choice. Because if we are silent about these abominable things, then we are letting evil go unchecked, and we cannot do that. For those of you wonderful people who are writing me and are sharing your encouragement, I am deeply grateful. Thank you for all the letters that you've been sending. Thank you for the donations and the support. I found out that in order to speak the truth, you have to become very, very strong. If you would go to my website at www.lauralyn.tv, you'll find all of the ways that you can contact me. Remember, my friends, all is well. All is well. Thanks for joining me.